1 Corinthians 14, 1, if we could put that up on the screen. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 explains what just happened. It says we're to pursue love, but yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So what Pastor Patsy just did is she had a word from the Lord prophetically, spoke out what was on uh, for the moment right now. Did that help you? Uh, it's edifying. The, the, the criteria is that it be, um, it'd be uh, edifying. What is it? Uh, comfort. Exhortation, edification, and comfort. So, and then uh, also, does it line up with the scriptures? Does it lift up Jesus? Yes. Is it biblical? Yes. So we test that. We hold to it. And uh, I treasure moments where the Holy Spirit moves in our midst. I'm glad you guys came today. And by the way, Asher Ben Ruby, I mean, I'm, I'm actually going to go to that luncheon. I've been in denial about aging all this time, and now it's cool. And uh, actually what it is really is just an excuse for us to have a fellowship meal together. And, um, you know, our, our viola player uh, met our, our, uh, our facilities guy, Rob. Rob and Beth met in the basement at DeSmet High School when we had one of these fellowship meals and they got married, and they had children, so uh, that can happen. And um, also Joe Kowalik and Stacy met while they were serving at one of the Christmas banquets. So amazing things happen when we come together, and I pray that would happen, and this would be an exceptional morning. I appreciate you being here. Um, from my point of view, you look pretty good. And uh, I want you to look at somebody next to you and say hi. <clears throat> Good to be together. The Deeb's son got engaged up in New York this week to Nellie, and God bless you for that. And uh, Asher Ben Ruby's going to have a birthday this week, and happy birthday to Asher. Smash, uh, St. Louis Family Church Golden Bachelor, <laughs> who dresses himself. I'm going to do something that's kind of the usual. I'm going to try to bite off more than I could chew, and I'm going to try to preach all of the Gospel of John, all 21 chapters, in the next about 21 minutes. <laughs> Are you laughing at me or with me? <clears throat> but I'm going to tell you something practical about this book. First of all, it was written by the Apostle John. That's pretty much without dispute. And uh, he wrote it in 70 A.D. He, was, he had already written some letters, uh, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. <clears throat> he was to write the book of Revelation, which is one of the most extraordinary documents on planet Earth and uh, Revelation of Jesus. And his gospel, uh, the, the other three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called the Synoptic Gospels, and they have a lot of similarity. There are even books published, uh, the parallels of the Gospels. Um, John brings and introduces some things that are unique in the Gospels, and I am very, very thankful and appreciative for the angle that the Lord gave John. Uh, all Scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So that each one of us, men, women, and children of God, can be adequate, can be equipped, can be strengthened for every good work. 
So I'm preaching this for your edification, for your instruction, for illumination, inspiration, or revelation, right? And I trust the Holy Spirit will help me, and I believe he will, and I, I trust the Holy Spirit will help you because some things are going to jump off of these, uh, these chapters that are pertinent for your situation because I'm telling you, one of the points is made that he's a good shepherd, and a shepherd cares about the sheep. A good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows what's going on in your heart. He knows your down-sitting, your uprising. He knows your mood, your sleep patterns, your work situation, your finances, your, your health. And I'm telling you uh, that Jesus is present right now. Where two or more are gathered in his name, there he is in our midst. And I'm telling you, he loves you. In fact, I was watching my kids send me stuff. And Joe Rogan was interviewing Hulk Hogan. And Hulk Hogan had his headband and his handlebar mustache and his, you know, his deep gravelly uh, World Federation Wrestling voice. And he said had, he had a John 316 t-shirt on. And he was talking about how great it is going to church every Sunday. And, he, and, and Joe Rogan said, now, is it crazy? Do people want selfies with you? He goes, no, no, I want, people to, I want more people to come because I've seen people's lives get changed. And, and he, he started to say what the name of the church was. He goes, you, you don't want to do it? He goes, oh, yes, I And it was some church in Florida, Baptist church. And I was so excited because I remember years ago, our worship team, when I was a youth pastor, we were out at a lunch, and he was there, and one of our worship leaders witnessed to him, and he, he, he did his whole wrestling kind of look thing, you know. But it apparently got through. And thank God that he's walking with the Lord. And uh, the Lord is moving mightily in our times. He's moving mightily on the nations. He's moving mightily in St. Louis. He's moving mightily throughout America during the election year. God is, yesterday there was a, our, our ward, uh, uh, are we ward four? Or ward, yeah, we're ward four. Was here, we prayed. She came to this amazing lady, ladies' breakfast. It was so powerful in this place. Pastor Patsy preached a great word. Tina and all the others did such a good job. The musicians, I mean, the musicians are working 48 hours a, a, a day right now. We're... We're all going to have a practice right after this, so I better hurry up. I've got to preach 21 chapters. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. Let's pray. Father, open the eyes of our hearts, I pray. God, in this basic New Testament Bible book survey, I pray that it would be exactly what we need today, Lord. Give us this day our daily bread. Matthew 6 Lord's Prayer. We're asking for your presence to come in to each of our situations. Bodies be healed. Marriages be uh, strengthened. Hearts be encouraged. Hopes restored. Uh, vision. Inspiration on our intellect and on our capacities to decide and to think. Help us, O oh God. Deliver us from temptation and the tempter. Strengthen us in regards to our faith, and help us to get stronger than we've ever been spiritually. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen? So the first verse I want to share is already in the last chapter, and it's John chapter 21, verse 24 through 25. And uh, it, it tells us the why of John's getting this gospel out. He said, this is the disciple who is testifying to these things, and wrote these things, and we know that this testimony is true, and that there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose 
that even the, the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. I'm telling you, Jesus would impact one life and encyclopedic volumes and volumes and volumes could be discussed about the outcomes of one instance where he showed up. He is the exact representation of the Father's nature. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, my will, my, my desire, what drives me is to do the will of the Father. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to set captives free. And uh, he said, you know, this is, I've, I've written this. I'm an eyewitness. Um, I think it was about seven times John said that he was, he referenced himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And I used to think that was arrogant. I thought it was, he was bragging. Uh, but as I be, I've become more uh, familiar with that, I've grown with that, I realized, no, he's not, he's not being arrogant. It's like Moses saying of himself that he was the most humble man in the world. He, he was the most humble man in the world. He was humble enough to do what God called him to do and be bold enough to step up and provide leadership in that moment. So that took humility. He, no, he wasn't prideful, and it wasn't prideful for Moses to say he was humble. Because he humble, it wasn't uh, humble, and it wasn't false humility. He was his his reliance was on the Lord, and uh, we we fix our hope on Him, and and we we draw near to Him, and we trust Him. And John had a a good, healthy uh, self esteem. Can I say that? He had a he knew that he was loved by the Lord. And he actually modeled what God is actually aspiring that we all get a hold of. And I think the Apostle Peter was farther behind on that. He had some insecurities. He had some issues. Aren't you glad God reveals people the way they really are in the Bible in order for us to be authentic? And that Peter caught up with that. Peter, Peter was, don't you care that we're perishing? He said, you know, when the, the boat was filling up with water on the Sea of Galilee... In Mark chapter 4 through 5, when Jesus said, let's go to the other side, he was sleeping on a pillow. Don't you care that we're perishing? Well, Jesus does care. It's insulting, really. It's like, I came here to suffer and die so you could be set free and have access to the Father and have a beautiful relationship. And your children's children, your descendants, thousands of years from now, will be walking with God. And uh, yet, you know, so one moment Peter's saying, don't you care? And the next minute... In 1 Peter 5, 7, he says, casting all of your cares. This is a prophetic word Pastor Patsy had. Casting all your cares, all your worries, all your dreads, all your concerns, all your anxieties, all your upsets, all your depression, all your fears upon him. Why? Because he cares for you affectionately and he loves you watchfully. He'll take care of you. He's a, he's a faithful guide. You say, Pastor Jeff, how are you going to preach 21 chapters? Here we go. Let's find out. If you're a note taker, write fast. Number one, chapter one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. They're theorizing the Big Bang. Did, a, did an asteroid come with DNA from uh, ancient aliens? I mean, there's so many different opinions, so much conjecture. Here it is, repeated reloaded from Genesis 1-1. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Deal with it. That's my belief. That's my worldview. That's, my, that's the policy. That's the position I take. That's where I stand. There is a God in heaven who created us in his image for his purposes. 
and then he sent his son to redeem us from all the mess that Adam and Eve got us into, and he destroyed the works of the devil. He came to seek and save that which is lost, and his aspiration was to make a new breed. We would become partakers of the divine nature. We would become new creations, and we would be endowed with supernatural strength from the Holy Spirit. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We are not an, a, a depleted bunch. We're not a defeated bunch. We are more than conquerors because of him who strengthens us. Hallelujah. So the first point is he's the son of God. Right out of the chute, we acknowledge his deity. He is, the, he is uh, before Abraham was, I am. He's the alpha and the omega. I grabbed this off the table at the ladies' breakfast. Just We had hundreds and hundreds of people. And it's the names of Jesus. He's the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, the Alpha and Omega, the way, the truth, and the life, the Word. He's the Word made flesh. If you read in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's my Jesus. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He's the Prince of peace. He's a wonderful counselor. He's the Holy One, the resurrection and the life, Savior, Redeemer, Mediator, Deliverer, and the Lord that heals us. Chapter 2. And I love this because I do weddings, and the first place he did a miracle, apparently Jesus does weddings too. He's the Son of Man. And we see him in... Chapter 1 is deity, and we see him in chapter 2 in his humanity. And he and his mother and others were standing around at a marriage at Cana. And he had been invited, and Jesus was there. Everybody say, Jesus was there. Aren't you glad Jesus was there? Aren't you glad Jesus is here? Praise the Lord for that, that he is a very present help in the time of need. Can I tell you that Jesus is present right now? He loves you. He cares about us. We know this because you see it in the, in the Gospel of John. I just digress for one minute. When I got saved in the 70s, uh, the, the, the disciple people and the follow-up people gave out uh, the Gospel of John. It was the recommendation going around at the time. Um, don't start in the book of Genesis. Don't start even in the book of Matthew. Because, um, you know, you're way back there in Genesis. You're getting a lot of history and and it's all, I love the book of Genesis, but what, what they were saying was, as new infant Christians, the Gospel of John is just about as good as it gets to give a comprehensive understanding of what's happening and, and, and why Jesus came and, and who he is. I love Mark. I'm, I'm a fan of the Gospel of Mark, and it's a superficial reason. I had cassette tapes of a, of a narrator named Alexander Scorby, who also did the National Geographic specials that would get me off the hook at school when I was in elementary school. And when I saw the audiovisual monitors come, you know, with a, with a cart, with a, with a uh, projector, uh, and, and I knew, oh, hallelujah, we're going to get to watch a movie, you know. And, and it would be Alexander Scorby's voice, and it would be some nature thing, it would be something amazing, and he had this rich voice. Kingston said it was called like a mid-Atlantic. It sounded almost British, but he was actually American. I think he was from Connecticut or something. Anyway, th this is the pinnacle of his work. And I had Alexander Scorby Bible on cassette tape. And I had a Panasonic player. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, every other book came in more than one cassette. 
But the Gospel of Mark was all, all the, the 16 chapters would be uh, uh, eight, I think, on one side and eight on the other, so it was complete. So that's why Mark was my favorite book. In, in, in the, and Mark's a great book. But John, I'm telling you, he, he wrote it in 70 A.D. because he saw the church needed what he observed in his direct eyewitness contact with Jesus. And John brings some unique things that aren't present in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. And some things like you must be born again. Or a John 3.16 that was on Hulk Hogan's shirt. Or, or uh, uh, the, the, the amazing, there's so many things. But in chapter 2, he's there at a wedding. And they, he turns water into wine. Famously, uh, something that's ordinary into something that's, that's, that it, it couldn't occur any other way. But by a miracle. And he did his first miracle. His deity was revealed. And uh, people began to believe. And he, 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 you see this scene illustrating his humanity, that he's there. He appears um, as a guest. Uh, with, with, he apparently got, you know, in his mailbox, he, he opened it up and there was an invitation. Hey, Mom, well, you and I are invited to this, this marriage at Cana, you know, and, and let's go. So he mingles with people at social events. Jesus is very present. He's the unseen guest. I've even heard people set a, ta a table place for him, you know. <laughs> it's kind of, that's trippy to me. But, I mean, uh, one time I was, I was in a moment and I remembered that he is the unseen observer in all my conversations. So, but he shows up. He shows up at church. Welcome, Jesus. <laughs> he said, well, yeah, Pastor Jeff, it's church. But sometimes church could be cold and formal and, not, and he'd not even be welcome. And I tell every, all these people that are getting married, invite Jesus to your wedding. Uh, and you say, well, duh, he's the Lord. Yeah, but invite him. Uh, you know, uh, invite him into your morning. I invite him into, I, I, you know, uh, he, he, he's the son of God. And he's ever present. And he's all-knowing omnipresent, but he's also, uh, he, he became as we are. He, he relates to your human condition. He reloves he, he, he re you. That's a new word. <laughs> Chapter 3, Nicodemus called him the divine teacher. Nicodemus, chapter 3, verse 1, Nicodemus came out at night. He said uh, he was one of the premier leaders of the Jewish faith. And he said, hey, rabbi, which is another word for teacher, we know that you've come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. And Jesus is not flattered. Jesus, and Nicodemus wasn't manipulating him. He was making an observation. And Jesus, in his unique and beautiful style, answered him by saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I was ridiculed by a cousin in California, Glendale, California. My dad and I were there, oh, in the early 80s, and we went to visit Aunt Gwen and Uncle Richard. And uh, he, he, I went to their house, and 
they had their adult son there because my dad was close to Aunt Gwen and we were all have, having a moment and a really sweet family. And um, I got to talking with the son who was a fireman. He said, well, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. And he went, Mom, Jeff's a born-againer. <laughs> and so the game on, you know, it's like, you, and then, then I'm, so I'm sharing, well, I said, well, yeah, I am. You know, Jesus changed my life. And he goes, yeah, you sound just like, and he named off a couple that were his friends that had been witnessing to him. I was like, yes. So then Richard goes into his closet and comes out with a satin, um, he was a camera uh, a guy in, in the entertainment world, and he came out with a satin jacket that said the Catherine Kuhlman Show. And he had been the guy that was one of the chief camera operators on the Catherine Kuhlman Show. Uh, and I didn't know any of this. So it's like, so, so this, the fireman is telling me about his friends who are witnessing to him. And then he's, he's saying, Jeff's a born againer. Well, Jesus said, you must be born again. And then he said later in John chapter 3, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. How many of you are glad you were born? Most of the time, you're glad you were born. How many of you are glad you got to be born again? So even more hands went up. Yeah, not so much with a, but yeah. Because redemption is a beautiful thing. The new birth is real. It's not just a religious experience that's just strictly in an emotional kind of a thing. And it's, it's definitely based on reality, and it is not mythology. It's fact. And Jesus is the divine teacher, and what he teaches is legit. And the Holy Spirit only leads us into all the truth, and he delivers us from error. There's so much deception around. And thank God his word is laser-sharp, crystal clear. Do you see these beautiful uh, wall uh, pieces? It's called wainscoting. And uh, Andrew and uh, Patrick have done a beautiful job putting these up over the weeks to beautify our building. And one of the things they did that was fascinating, and I've coveted this thing, and I've been trying to figure out how I need to get one of these. They had these on tripods, these laser levels. Everybody say laser level. I mean, they put these laser levels up in here, and they're just meticulous. These, both of these guys are such uh, perfectionists about that. You want that, especially when it's your surgeon. But they put these up with such precision. And, uh, and even where the walls weren't exactly right, they worked it and they, because of a laser level. Everybody say laser level. Jesus is dependable to level and guide and enlighten and illuminate. He's speaking to us today. And as crazy as the world's getting, and as distorted as people's belief systems are, we are to study to show ourselves approved unto God as workmen who need not be ashamed, handling accurately, rightly dividing the word. His word's a lamp to our feet, it's a light to our path. Young people, listen. I, my wife and I got in ministry back in the 1970s with, the, with an eye toward this period. When I was in my 20s and 30s and 40s, I didn't see it as, uh, you know, this is, this is the gravy, this is the, this is the pinnacle. No, I've been on a progressive journey this whole time. I've had an eye with the end in mind. And I look at this season that I was to come to in my uh, uh, upper years. And now we're coming into that season. 
to provide thorough and thoughtful leadership in these end times. And for the youth generation, I'm committed. We're committed to you. Uh, we have five grandchildren uh, with the, the Christmas production. There were kids running everywhere. And I'm telling you, it is going to be exciting in here. Just come to enjoy the exhilaration of it. But young people, don't be deceived. God has a plan for your life. This generation is quite probably the most significant one so far. I'm, I believe the cloud of witnesses in the grandstands of eternity are looking at and observing the body of Christ throughout the world right now, cheering us on with seeing the anticipation of what Jesus is about to do in the end of the age. And we might as well get serious about the Lord, get practical about the Lord, fall in love with the Lord, stay in the Word, study and meditate on it. He'll teach you. He'll guide you. He'll show you things to come like a laser uh, level. Number four, it shows the Lord as a soul winner. He came to seek and save that which is lost. The disciples went to town to go get some food, and he had been ministering, and he was sitting at a well, and a woman from Samaria came over to get water in her, in her big jar, and he said, could you please dip down and get me some water? He didn't have the means to do it, and she, she said, why are you a Jew talking to me, a Samaritan, and a woman? What? And, 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 he, and he said, uh, she said, because don't you guys, don't you know there's ethnic divide? Don't you know there's gender divide? Don't you know there's racial divide? Don't you know? And he did, of course, but he pushed through all of it. And he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who it says to you, give me water, you would ask him and he would give you living water. And she said, what? I, she didn't understand. It was a, it was, he was using a human terminology to talk about new life and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fulfillment. Oh, hallelujah. So he continues to minister to her. He continues to tell her about hope and help. Having this moment, can you imagine what it would have been like? And uh, he said, go tell your husband. Oh, I don't, I, I don't have a husband. Hey, well, you said that right. He said, uh, you, the one you're living with isn't your husband. And also, by the way, you've been a turbo dater, man. You've been married five times, Elizabeth Taylor. And uh, yeah, and she said, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. That's what the gifts will do to people. But he didn't condemn her. She was so enthusiastic. She, she asked more questions and then... He, you know, he commissioned her as a soul winner. She went to her town, and the whole town got saved. And I'll tell you what's awesome about that lady. I, I think Nicodemus was a prestigious man, leader of the Jews, high social ranking. Probably could see it in his, the vestments, the way he carried himself, his, his conduct, his clothing, his, you know, where he lived. And here's this lady carrying this giant jar moping out there to get some water in the dry, arid climate near between Jerusalem and, and, and Samaria. As someone of high social ranking and someone that didn't have a social position, dismissed, an outcast. And that's how big the love of God is. This is why we see the world all, you know, into all these socioeconomic distinctions and definitions. Jesus says, forget all that, man. I love everybody. I love the world, right? Makes sense to me that some 
wrestler has been through stuff, divorce and all kinds of challenges and substance abuse and all kinds of things, I think, I, I, you know, just kind of see it in his eyes, uh, comes out and says, yeah, I want everybody to come to my church. I don't care if they want a selfie with me. I want them to get a selfie with Jesus, you know. God is moving in this hour. I'm glad you came to church today. I'm glad you're watching online. Listen, he's a soul winner. And if we follow him, he'll make us fishers of men. Proverbs 11.30 says that uh, he that is wise wins souls. I want to see more. We're going to see this. There's been a purge in the church, clipping branches, getting things ready. And we're coming into a new season. We're coming into a harvest time. The harvest is plenteous. The laborers are few. Read the book of John. And I've, I, what I've done is I've been doing this for weeks. I've been in the book of John over and over and over again. So when I come to you, it's coming from a, a vital and authentic place. And I want to encourage you to reread the book of John. It's only 21 chapters. It'll, it'll renew your mind. I was going to say it'll blow your mind, but it'll renew your mind. Chapter 5, he's the chief physician. He bends in compassion over the sufferings at the pool of Siloam. He shows his divine power by the instantaneous cure of a hopeless case. Look at chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. Hopeless case. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. A man who had been paralyzed from his childhood. Immediately the man became well, picked up his pallet, and began to walk. That's pretty cool. He forgives sins. He heals bodies. That's the amazing one-two punch of redemption. Psalm 103, he pardons all of our iniquities, heals all of our diseases. He's the Lord that heals us. On uh, Yesterday we had uh, Mrs. Frazier and her family, and they sang... Jehovah, uh, they sang a song, uh, Because of Who You Are, I Give You Glory. It was beautiful, beautiful song. And it does all these Hebrew names. I mean, I, really, to the uninitiated, it's like a bunch of Hebrew words. But, you know, it describes God's character by his names. And one of them was Jehovah Jireh, the one who meets my needs. And, and what, what is Jehovah, my healer, Rapha? Jehovah Rapha, say that. Jehovah Rapha. Now, we've just had a Hebrew lesson. And what it means is, he's the Lord that heals us. The Lord's healed me. He's healed me time and again. He's brought me through some things. I went in for a simple colonoscopy. Don't tell anybody. The terror of a colonoscopy is the preparation. The terror of it is the anticipation. You end up waking up with a bunch of old people moaning, and you're like, hey, what happened? I feel kind of like a buzz, you know. <clears throat> I went in at the, uh, the Mayo Clinic, and, and the guy said, so is this routine, uh, Jeff? And he looked at my chart, Jeff. I said, yeah. He said, would you have any of this in your family? I said, oh, well, a couple weeks ago, my mom just died of it. He went, he went oh, well, we're, we'll really do a thorough job. You know, he went in, he found polyps and things, got them all out of there. I'm all good now. Call Roto-Rooter down the drain. Away goes trouble down the drain. <laughs> Gross. That's what it's like. Now, all of you go get one. 
I've so inspired you. And I, I don't want you to go, because Jesus is my chief physician, I'm going to be negligent with my health. There are doctors in here, medical care people all over our church. And I esteem people that would go to school that long and do those crazy shifts and work in the, at the ICU and the emergency room to try to help us. I'm, I heard one minister say, doctors keep Christians alive long enough to fulfill their call. I thought that was a great thing. So get, get, be in charge of your health care. And if you need a second opinion, get a second opinion. In the last service, the Hoffmans were here, and she had been battling terrible pain in her lower quadrant. For, for months, and she kept getting tests, she kept asking for prayer, so I stood right over there on that aisle, and I prayed, and I got a, a I, and I didn't, going into it, it's just, I just asked the question, do you think they're misdiagnosing you? She said, I don't know, Pastor Jeff, I said, I think you need to go back in and ask them to check more, check out it out differently. She did, they said, okay, well, we'll do a scan, we've only been doing scans from your waist down, but we'll, since you, know, since you said that, we'll do a whole full body scan. Sure enough, the chief physician was prompting. And she, they, they found it a, an impingement on her up high near her uh, top of her spinal cord, uh, a tumor that was or a, a, some kind of sister tumor pushing on her spinal cord. And, and they basically said, six weeks, you'd have been paralyzed from the waist down. And they said, well, but, but before that, they said, well, we can, we'll get you in for a procedure, but it's gonna, it, we're six months out. She said, I don't think I should wait six months. Oh, wait a minute. There was a cancellation. Come on in. The doctor that worked on her, she prayed, went in there prayerfully, knowing the chief physician was there too. Right? Dr. Jesus. And uh, the doctor said, it was such an easy surgery she said, he said that when I opened you up and I got to that place, it was almost as if the, the, the thing that needed to get out of there jumped out on its own, which I thought immediately, well, then did they give her a discount in the bill? <laughs> right? It's like, you ought to deduct about $20,000 off of that if it's jumping out on its own. And God delivered her, and Jesus is the Lord that heals you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when you have alarming symptoms, you need to calm the storm by going back into the Word and seeing Him raise that guy up, you know, and bringing healing. Like, the, like the, you wonder about God's will. There are people that have teaching in the church that God uses sickness to teach us things. Uh, no, here's what I believe. The, 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 in Matthew 8, uh, a man with leprosy, that was the AIDS, HIV, or, you know, it was one of those kinds of things that marginalize you. Or it's like, you know, social distancing, mask, more than that, just banishing people to colonies. Couldn't even be in society. He goes to Jesus and says, if, you will, if you're willing, would you make me whole? And he put his hand on his head and said, be, I will be made whole. That's the Jesus I believe in, the healer. We saved my wife from an appendicitis burst in Florida. Saved her through uh, going into a coma, almost renal failure. God delivered her. God delivering Jessica, having not one but two uh, lung transplants. And then Davy Bauer now developing his balance, walking two, two miles a day, and he gets on one of those boards with a little wheel thing. Uh, and he's trying to balance, and he's getting back. He, he couldn't, he was out of it for 170 days. 
God, God did a miracle in his life. Well, that's a medical miracle. Yeah, it is a medical miracle. Jesus is the chief physician. The miracles are just replete in that. And I want to tell you, he's the chief physician, and I have three minutes to do 20 more verses. <laughs> Chapter 6, he's the bread of life. <clears throat> he's, the, he's the sustenance. He's the provision. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus is the word made flesh. Feed your faith. Feed your spirit by studying and meditating. Make the Bible your friend. Listen to it on tape or, or download or however we do it now. Read it in your paper Bible. Study it on your tablet, on your phone. Meditate on it day and night. He is the sustenance, the provision, the fulfillment. Without him, humanity's soul is in absolute a famine. But with him, he'll satisfy the thirsty and the hungry soul. He'll see, in fact, I'll go to chapter 7. He's the water of life. He told the woman at the well he'll give her living water, but he also said in John 7, 37, on the great day of the feast, he stood up and said, hey, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, trusts in me, relies on me, makes it be central in their life, gets born again, walks with God, as the scripture said, from his or her or their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And he was speaking about the Holy Spirit. We're to be spirit-filled, spirit-taught, spirit-led, and Jesus came to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Chapter 8 is amazing because a woman was caught in the act of adultery and guilty as anything, and people were picking up stones to kill her. He said, let him who's never sinned cast the first stone. And he defended the weak. He's the defender of the weak. He defended that fallen woman. He said, where are your accusers? She said, nowhere, Lord. He said, then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Aren't you glad he's kind to sinners? Shouldn't we be? Aren't you glad he's merciful? Defender of the weak. Chapter 9. He is the light of the world. He comes in to lighten every man and brighten. It says in, in chapter 1, verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, this is the judgment that men love darkness rather than light, for their deeds were evil. But in a non-obnoxious way, in a non-threatening way, we need to figure out how to carry this light. He's the light, and he tells us we're the light of the world. That's why we're doing the Christmas show. In fact, it's even called the light of the world. And we're using it as an opportunity where people in our geographic footprint are a little more aware of and open to the birth of Jesus. The secular world is trying to downplay that and make it the holidays and just kind of push aside Christ mass. But the fact is, Jesus is Jesus. Authentically always has been, authentically always will be, and the whole thing is that it's about Jesus. Well, but uh, during the Roman times, they had pagan festivals, and they just put this and slapped this one on there, and now Christ... That's what Christianity is all about. It's uh, uh, adaptation. It comes in on the scene. Jesus comes in. And, and, he, and like Paul went to Athens and he, he was quoting Athenian poets. And, and, and Jesus comes in on the scene and he goes, okay, I've got spiritual message from heaven. And I've got to figure out how to talk to these farmers in agricultural terms. I've got to figure out how to talk to the religious people in terms they can understand. The irreligious in terms they can understand. And so here we are. And... Merry Christmas.
Chapter 10, he's the good shepherd. Good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. How about Psalm 23? Don't you love it? Say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. See, he watches over his flock. He tends to his lambs with infinite care. He loves you. I said he loves you. See the shame the devil tries to rear up? Well, yeah, I don't know if he loves me. I'm not very lovable. He loves you. He forgives you. He heals you. He restores you. He helps you. He's available to you. Hallelujah. Chapter 11. The resurrection and the life. He's the resurrection and the life. He proves his right to this title when he called Lazarus from the dead at the tomb after four days of death. Lazarus, come forth. He's still saying that. He's wanting to roll away the stone. I love Leon Russell. He sang a song, Roll Away the Stone. Old Tulsa musician, master of space and time, top hat, big old white beard and hair. Had Taylor and I had the opportunity to go meet him, and we were too tired. I wish I had. I had a friend who was working with him as a rock-solid Christian. Bill Maxwell worked with him with Elton John and created an album together. Spent a lot of time with him. You know, I want all these guys to be saved. Pray for your, your rock people and your, pray for all of them. I was happy to see Hulk Hogan witnessing to Joe Rogan. I care about Bill Maher. I care about their souls. I care about the people I voted for and the people I didn't. Prayed for Jimmy Carter at 99 years old, you know. Bless him. Bless him, Lord. Said he was born again. It's important. He must be born again. Hey, Mom, Jeff's a born againer. Said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Even if you die, you live. 12, he's the king. King of kings. Remember, he rides on that little donkey. This is famous Palm Sunday. I just met a couple. The last time they were here was Easter. He said, that was a great message. I thought, boy, I better do good today now. <laughs> Wherever you guys are, I hope I'm doing all right. Because I'm almost at, I'm past time. Here we go. The next few, next uh, eight chapters are going to be very rapid fire. Chapter 13. He's the servant. He washed the disciples' feet in an example of his condescension. He didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. And the greatest in the kingdom is a servant. 14, chapter 14, he's the consoler. He brings soothing consolation. Even on the cross, in utter self-forgetfulness, and the absence of self-centeredness, he is there comforting the sad disciples from the position of suffering. That's our Savior. Chapter 15, abide in me, and, 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 and he said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Attachment with God creates abundant fruitfulness. Detachment from God creates dryness like a, like a tumbleweed where you don't have root and you don't have fruit. And that's just not the healthy way to live. That's why I was in, in, the, old, in the Old Acres house out in, in uh, California endeavoring to witness to all my family and, and maybe tagging into what Catherine Coleman said on the show or maybe what the fireman's uh, friends said to him. 
That's why I'm preaching the gospel for the rest of my life because it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. And I want to affirm to you that Jesus you're following is all these things, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the divine teacher, the soul winner, the, the chief physician, the, the bread of life, water of life, defender of the weak, light of the world, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the king of kings, the servant, the consoler, the true vine. He's the giver of the Holy Spirit. A man on Friday while we were stacking chairs and it was as noisy as it could be, he came up to me with his friend and said, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I said, right now? He said, yes, yeah. so let's pray. And he said, it's just like receiving Jesus by faith. Now receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I said, now go home. And, and, and he, I asked him this morning, uh, he, uh, yeah, I prayed in tongues. I, I got a breakthrough. So hallelujah, Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and fire. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He's the great intercessor, you guys. He ever lives to make intercession for us. He's praying 24-7, and he's blanketing the church with supernatural help 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He transcends space and time. He's amazing. He's so faithful. He's with you. He sits at the right hand of the Father, and he is our advocate. Number 18, he is the model of obedience. He submitted to the Father. He drank the bitter cup of suffering and, and, and that was present there. And he, he, though he wanted the cup to pass from him, he said, yet not my will, but your will be done. Chapter 19, I have three more chapters. He is the uplifted, resurrected Savior. He becomes obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross, Philippians 2.8, in order that breakthrough relief can come to whoever would call upon his name. Chapter 20, he is the conqueror of death itself. He, in, in, Mark, in Matthew 9, 24, he raised a little girl from the bedside of death. Uh, in Luke 7, 11, he raised a, a boy in a coffin at a funeral of a widow. And we ta already talked about Lazarus in John 11. And uh, he himself is defiant and rose from the dead he's the resurrection and the life so even when you die you live as morbid and crazy as death seems to be for a believer to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord mrs gaines i think was 93 94 years old how old was she 92 and solid rock solid i miss her she was such a prayer warrior her family's here today and i just i just she she went like this Boom, and she's in the presence of God, and there's not a hiccup in it, and it's so good. She has no regrets. She has no pain. She has no difficulty. She's in the presence of the Lord because he's the restorer. Chapter 21, he welcomes the wandering but repentant Peter when he came back to the fold. Go tell the disciples and Peter. And he invites him back in when he had denied Jesus. You think about somebody that's called by God and goes, I don't know him. I don't know him. And, and, and think about the mark that could have made on Peter the rest of his life. I'm, I, I denied him I, I, during a moment. I, have you ever failed? I have. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm, I was thinking I probably messed up 50 million times. And it was like the Lord was like, your math is wrong. It's like 57 billion times. <laughs> but who's counting? He's not. He said, I keep erasing it. Right? Let's all stand up on our feet.
You just went through a whole Bible survey of the Gospel of John. It was written in 70 AD by John the Apostle, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you to read those 21 chapters this month. It's only the, the, four, the 3rd of December. We could actually do a chapter a day, and it, it's light and quality reading. Just read it through just at a, just a good pace, and, and just meditate on it, and, and realize these aspects and these facets. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord. If you've never been born again, you've never received Jesus as your Savior, open up your heart, open up your mouth, and acknowledge and say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I trust you to come into my heart as a rescuer, as a deliverer. I've just heard so many things about you boldly declared. And I embrace you and I believe in you and I trust you and I will walk with you. Anybody that's gone dry, get your roots back in him. Get in that living water. Say this with me, Lord Jesus, I'm coming into this house with commitment, with renewal, with expectancy, you're so faithful. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for using me. And now I send you out in the harvest field. I send you out into your daily life. Go out with joy. Be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth before you. God bless you.